Antiphon the Kindling by J.E.B. Mungal Chapter 2 Thistle and Barrel Tenuto Tenuto wiggled his toes in his soaked-through boots to work some feeling back into them. The young man had been slogging through this low moor for hours now, tracking. The girl had to come this way, somewhere through here, he thought. She doesn't use the game trails. How in the abyss am I supposed to... Damn it! He pulled his foot out of the peaty mirror and tied his hair back. Surrounded by heather and scrub and unable to make out any features other than a hillock in the distance, he knew he was out of his element. Wilderness moors, tracking... These were not his delights nor his strengths, despite his uncle's best efforts. The politics of war, history, religion. These were more of Tenuto's mind. But the brothers had tasked him with this, and he was determined to succeed. Finding a narrow trail he made for the hillock. On it, he found a circle of squat boulders, and within the circle, animal bones. Ralstetters up to some barbaric paganry. He sat on one of the stones and looked out over the heath. He saw no movement, neither beast nor bird. And this girl had moved like an animal. He despaired of catching her, but she wasn't the only missing girl. She's one of many, and it's not just stories. He'd put eyes on her himself, and that was enough. He'd seen her before. Pretty farm girl, Lessa Green. He could still see her blonde hair shining and braided, but the glimpse he'd caught of her out here, hair torn and matted, body covered in mud, naked in the cold, she was no mere runaway. If only I'd caught her eyes. He looked at the bones in the circle. Could this all be some barbaric rite? He removed his boots and massaged his feet. He couldn't imagine long survival out here. And yet, Lessa had been missing for weeks. He looked out across the rolling moor. I need help, he thought. I can't track where the dam, but who to use? It's been too long since I've been to the academy. All my old friends are gone. It was just as difficult picking his way back through the spongy wet ground and gorse bushes as it had been going in. Worse in some ways since he was carrying the weight of failure with him. That poor girl's gone. It was dusk when Tenuto made it out of the moor and retrieved his horse from a copse of trees just off the road. The Etten Way was largely disused and overgrown with grass and brambles. Tenuto figured the superstitious fear of trolls kept people from frequenting it often. Besides, the only thing it led to now was Rousted, since the bridge to the town of Anamori came down in a flood almost a decade ago. He remembered his first year at the academy, coming out on the road at night with some of the older students to see if any of the troll tales proved true. They had not. He mounted his horse and walked it up the road away from the moor and back towards the eastern foothills of Ben Carrick. His feet ached, and his eyelids were heavy. It was about a three-hour journey to the ferry to get him back across the river Sade and into town. But despite not being much for superstition, he wasn't too keen on camping on this particular road at night. 
Damn it, I can't even feel my feet properly. I have to stop. Junito found a suitable place to camp, not far off the road. He tried to hastily light a quick fire with his fire steel, but he had run short of suitable tinder. He quickly gave up and determined to wrap himself in his wool blanket and cloak. He'd found a good windbreak in the form of a couple large boulders and managed to get somewhat warm after a little while, at least after he took off his wet boots and hose. Getting his feet dry helped some, but he had a feeling that it would be a miserable night. Tunudo drifted off into sleep and dreamt he was chasing Lessa through the moors, but his bare feet were being bitten by snakes and spiders. Eventually one was so painful he cried out and woke, discovering a small thistle at his feet had stuck him through the blanket. He shifted a bit, but found he was too cold to get comfortable. His sleep was too restless to be worth much value, he thought. He sat up and retrieved his hose and boots, both still wet and cold. As he considered riding back barefoot, the snap of a twig and rustled brush caught his ear. Tenuto drew his knife and peered out onto the rolling starlit landscape, then back towards the dark road. Nothing and no one. Unsure whether he should call out or get up and check, he heard the rustling again and hushed voices. They sounded close. Tenuto switched his knife to his left hand and quietly drew his sword as he stood. He crept towards where he thought the voices had come from. Then he saw them, just beyond a hedge, crouched and hiding. Three boys. This will be fun, he thought, as he doubled back around to give them a proper scare. He tossed his knife back on his blanket and tossed a nearby rock out into the heath in the opposite direction he was taking. It made a proper crunch, as Tenuto had hoped. His bare feet were quiet on the ground, and as he came to the bushes where he'd seen the boys, he felt a stabbing pain in his foot and screamed out. Two boys scurried from the hedge, tripping and scrambling back toward the road. Tenuto pulled the thistle's thorny leaves out of his foot. It wasn't quite the scare he'd had in mind, but it had worked. The thistle certainly took some of the joy out of it. Wait, three. He stopped tending to his foot for a moment and narrowed his eyes. Come out, boy, game's done. He watched the bushes from which the boys had bolted, but the response came from behind him. Who won? Tenuto would have turned more quickly if he'd not felt something sharp pressed against his back and he was sure it was much larger than a thistlethorn. Well, I suppose you've taken this round. The boy released the pressure. Good man to know when you're beaten. Tenuto saw now. Tenuto saw now. The boy merely had a sharpened stick, a makeshift spear. Not wholly ineffective, though. Tenuto smiled. Spoken as one trained by Master Artea. So, Niven. Niven, how'd you manage to get the drop on me? In the darkness, the boy's features were smoothed over, but he seemed to hide half his face with his long hair anyway. It was a fashion, not a practical choice. 
the boy looked no more geared to the outdoors than did Tenuto. I heard you throw something, figured it was a distraction. Tenuto chuckled. Yes, and your friends? What about them? They can't move or hide like me, and I wasn't about to explain it all to them. Tenuto liked the boy already. I mean, what about them now? Well, they're probably swimming the Sade by now with the scare you gave them. Premature, though, he shrugged. Damn thistles. Tenuto walked back to his campsite, gesturing for Niven to follow. So, what brought you boys out tonight? Well, I was bringing Gerald and Helig here for a good scare. Test their bravery sort of thing. We thought you were a Rousteader. We hoped you were a barbarian. I mean, who camps out on the Ettenway? Ha! <laughs> yes, well, one who is tired after a long trek in the moors, whose feet are more wet and cold and aching than their owner, is frightened of old wives' tales or old pagans. Niven nodded understandingly. So, who are you? My apologies. I'm Tenuto. Niven's smile vanished. Of Tour? Yes, the same. Ah, my lord, my apologies for not re So, he was still known. Good. Please, just, Tenuto, we're Tristans. We have attended the academy. We can be familiar. Niven's sudden formality eased. Thanks, then. So, now that I know who you are, I'm curious as to why someone like you is out here, alone, no retainers. I'll explain, but only as long as we head back towards town as we do so. Tenuto sat on his horse, and Niven walked beside as he explained the disappearance of Lessa Green, the other girls, and lamented his poor preparation and lack of skill in the wilderness as contributing to his failure. You need a team. Tenuto inclined his head. Perhaps. They trekked through the woods, with the winds coming off Lake Rian, cutting on their left. They were skirting the southern end of the lake. Tenuto's feet were distracting him, keeping him from engaging the boy in much conversation. They came at last to the ferry, where the river Sade flowed from the lake. Tenuto could see the boys, Gerald and Helig, arguing with the ferryman. Where's the siller piece I was promised? We don't have it. We told you. Our friend had it, and he's gone. Please let us back across, the younger of the two pleaded. The gaunt man was set. The fairy don't run nights without special compensation. Tenuto smirked. So much for swimming the sade. The ferryman lifted his lantern, and seeing Tenuto, he immediately dropped the ramp to the little wooden ferry. Tenuto, with a nod, rode his horse onto the flat-bottomed pump. Tenuto, with a nod, rode his horse onto the flat-bottomed punt and dismounted. The two boys scrambled on after him and Niven followed. The old man collected a silver coin from Niven and raised the ramp. Then, with a crank, he elevated the long rope extending across the river out of the water. Then he proceeded to pull the ferry across the dark, starlit river. The gusts coming off Lake Rian made Tenuto shiver. Now that there were no trees to shield them, he just longed for the warmth of fire and bed. Then Niven came and sat beside him. So, when do you want to go back out there? 
Tenuto Catelli was leading, volunteering to help. Could be useful. Tenuto wasn't sure someone so young would be allowed to assist in a mission for the Brothers of Trista, but under special request, perhaps they'd allow it. Older students were commissioned to do such things frequently. I could help. I know the terrain. I'm even pretty good at tracking. Tenuto really wasn't in the frame of mind to be giving this a lot of thought. Don't take my silence for apprehension. I'll talk to the brothers. Of course, you'll have to be sure to sneak back in tonight unseen. That won't be a problem. Tenuto was intrigued. The academy took on all manner of important people as students, most of whom had some sort of gift. Sometimes those gifts were wealth and station, but more often those gifts were otherworldly. Tenuto had the privilege of having both station and otherworldly gifts. The latter he learned to hone there, and he was tempted now, but no. He knew it would be both taxing and impolite, and it would prolong this journey anyway. He was intrigued. He tucked that curiosity away. It sufficed that the boy was both talented and willing to help. They made it across the river and disembarked. Niven had taken the hint that Tenuto was done talking for the night and scampered off with the other boys. As Tenuto watched them disappear down the pitched stone street, he found that he'd lost sight of Niven much sooner than the other two, like he'd just disappeared into the night. Certainly no sailor tale like the other two. Tenuto led his horse through the docks, stained and stinking with fish guts, and onto the dark high street where the tall jettied wattle and daub buildings loomed over him. Trista was still. No flickering glow of candle or lamp shone in any window. He could hear no sound but the ever-quietening water lapping against the piers. The only movement Tenuto caught was a cat darting into an alley. He had expected some patrol of the night watch to accost him as he had come down most of the high street with a clopping horse, but nothing. All the better, he thought, figuring he'd be in bed faster. The barren stalls and open air of the town center made him feel exposed. He had come through it at night before, but it seemed less empty then. There had even been a man in the stocks at the sprawling roots of the market tree, but even those were empty tonight. He imagined trying to sleep there, but it was designed so that you couldn't. A reminder that he could be more miserable. He eyed the church, wondering if the priests would be holding a vigil tonight, but if they were, it was a silent one. Tenuto quickened his pace. Something felt wrong as though there were eyes on him other than just prowling cats. Damn the fine, there's no one here. He mounted and brought the beast to a fast trot toward one of the far streets that branched off the marketplace. Tenuto rocked back, and for a brief moment everything was black and he couldn't breathe. Then he tasted blood and realized he was on all fours on the cobbled pavement. A few figures quickly gathered around him. Blood or money? He got his answer with a quick kick to the ribs and punch to the side of his head, 
but he'd gotten his breath and his wits back by the next round. He'd drawn his knife and brought the point through the thigh of the next leg that kicked him. The kick had enough force that he lost his grip on the knife, but the attacker fell back with a scream. Rolling towards the screaming boy and away from the rest, Tenuto drew his falchion as he got to his feet. He could see now that he was facing six young toughs, seven including the screaming boy, but he also saw they were pretty poorly armed. Clubs and staves. A whining voice piped up, Froy, he's got himself a sword. The biggest one responded, Aye, give us that blade, and we'll let you go with what you got left. Stupid enough to ask for it. Tenuto lunged, covering so much ground that the whiny-voiced one fell immediately backward, while the others gave ground. Tenuto fainted at the face of the big one and switched rapidly to come with a rising cut at the tough's forearm, cutting deep into the flesh. The ruffian dropped, clutching his arm. The others had regained their composure. This wasn't their first fight either. The tufts with the staves had split and had Tenuto on either side. He warded off a blow at his head and took the hit from the other staff to his shin before he could reposition himself and get them mostly on one side. This is bad, but five left. They continued pressing forward, and Tenuto gave more ground, backing into a nearby alley, slipping his blade from the wild swings of the ruffians, trying to knock the sword from his hands. Not a bad tactic. They've done this before. Wait, I'm being... He was grabbed from behind and slammed against the wall of the building, the sword clattering to the ground. Corralled. Tenuto managed to twist around and caught the face of the young man in his hands. Give me your eyes. The ruffian, probably assuming Tenuto was about to headbutt him, went for it first. The pop and pain of his breaking nose rang in Tenuto's ears, and he tasted the blood trickling back in his throat. They were on him now, punching, kicking, bludgeoning. He tried to detach himself from it, but to little avail. They were arguing. The strikes were less frequent. He tried to stand, but he couldn't muster the strength, and the swift kick he received for trying admonished him only further. He tried to open his eyes, but they were already swelling shut. He could peek through them but a little. They put a bag over his head and dragged him up the road. He heard them fetch his horse. If only I had a loyal war steed who'd come to my rescue. Tenuto could hear the water lapping, but couldn't smell any fish guts or anything, really. He knew he was at the docks, the seediest part of town. Now he wondered whether he was going to be bound and thrown in the lake, or perhaps sold to some barbarian slaver. Is this what the girls went through? As he was dumped into the barrel slick with fish remnants and the lid placed on top, he figured his troubles were far from ending tonight. In the cramped darkness, aching from the severe beating, spitting blood and letting blood run from his nose, he thought that his cold, aching feet didn't bother him so much. <laughs>